0: To breakfast,
1: what's before lunch? It's Austin,
2: Texas. It's weird brunch. How
1: is everybody doing?
2: I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I you like know. your hair.
1: When'd you get your hair done like that?
2: Uh, I've just been using like a lightning spray thing from John Frieda or whatever. Those like uh, sun in type things? It's kind of like sun in, I guess, but it's not, it's more like, I guess sun in is also heat activated, but like you're, mm-hmm. you just like put it on after you get out of the shower and blow dry and it gradually lightens. Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: used a little bit of that over the summer and it, it did cause comments, but it wasn't like the, it wasn't as effective as yours. I don't know if it's just because my hair is too mousy.
2: I've been doing it though for like months now, like at least since July. Just because, I mean, what the fuck else do I have going on? So, so
1: you are just more persistent. That's that's the
2: yeah. Secret. yeah. Well, also now when it starts to like really grow out, it looks horrible. So uh, I I'll do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Hooray. Well, yeah, until the you know
1: the gray starts coming in, that all blends. Yeah, there is well, nothing wrong with like. that.
2: Y'all. No, well, Lisa and I are...
1: <clears throat> I'm leaned the all the way
2: in. Nice. I That's haven't okay. gotten any yet, but I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> I haven't gotten any. yet. <laughs> you know, I just haven't gotten any yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I got. Um, I have many other tumbles. problems. Does that <laughs> count? <laughs>
1: Mine's, mine uh, just comes from my temples, and it, it curls, so it's almost like I have this ooh. special, like, it's like a George Washington wig, but in reverse. Coming oh, my God. Under- did you?
0: <laughs> do you know when you, you're in a pool, and you're a child, and you go, and you put your hair down, and then you flip it back like Martha Washington? Martha
1: Washington it, hell yeah. Yeah, that's right. I can do that for real, anytime I
2: want. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I still do that in a pool, too, like... It's fun and it feels kind of cool because it's like full Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It just it's a cool look.
1: (laughs) It is. It's the timeless look. That's why Martha invented it.
2: It's cool. Thanks, Martha.
1: Thanks, Martha.
2: Um Whitney, I started watching Bridgerton. How many episodes are you in now? A lot. Oh shit. <laughs> I, don't See, know. I didn't. I stopped watching because I wanted to watch it with you. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm like one and a half episodes in.
0: But I will rewatch because I was watching it like four in the morning like a psycho. Yeah.
1: Of course you
2: were. I don't know. What, what is wrong the- with me?
1: Emotional. What is this thing? Everybody's talking about
2: it. It's what like it? gossip girl, but for like Victorian era. Is it Victorian? I don't fucking know. Uh, uh, but 18, early 1800s. But it's from uh, Shonda Rhimes, who, um, oh, you know, has her yeah. whole Shondaland productions and stuff. And all mm-hmm. of her stuff is so dramatic and, like, fun. So I think that's probably a big part of why it's getting a lot of attention.
1: Yeah, that explains it. The Shonda effect. Mm-hmm. It's been
2: shandified. She knows what she's doing. Truth, that is true. <laughs> I wish I knew what I was doing.
0: Oh God, are you having a good Sunday? With no, I've my Sunday's
2: fine. Not being able to hear Karina. Uh, well, it's better now, you know. Just
1: no, everything's fine. I should yeah. have just
2: rebooted it. But I even like got on early. I was like, okay, I'm all set up. I Got on like five minutes early to make sure like my mic was working and everything was fucking right, and then I couldn't hear Karina. I thought it was her fault, but it was my own. Just I'm astonished here.
1: any of this is working. So th- this is I feel like the most accomplished 42 year old on the planet that I made this all work somehow. You so always
0: have been though. I want you to know that
1: the most accomplished 42 year old. God beeps for our civilization if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus,
2: <laughs> God weeps for civilization,
1: guys, I got off the train yesterday Let oh yeah train. so I took a train to Chicago and back in 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 it is fun and amazing, but it's also there's we did bunk beds, so like you know Trish was in the room with me and we got just a little room and you just face each other. here's the seats I'm making the seats with my hands mm-hmm. And then, like, one of the beds folds out like this, and that was, like, you know, the master bed. And then the other one just flops down like a bunk bed on top, and then somebody crawls up there. And I crawled up there, and it felt like I was putting myself in the storage after mm. Christmas. Like, I was just like, oh, I'll just go away now, and if you need me, just haul me out of the attic. And, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. it was so weird and claustrophobic and stuff. So, I hate it. But, <laughs> The, uh, that everything about the train is amazing. You have all the time in the world. You want to read and to relax and to enjoy the ride and to gently float through the middle of the country, but uh, get a bigger room so that you don't have to sleep in the little right. bunk bed situation. That's my recommendation.
0: Was Harry Potter on the train or no?
1: No. And there were no murders, but mm. we did have a French Porter named michelle Antoine dot dot dot, dot, dot Timothée, blah, blah blah blah. He had like nine names, and he was very proud of all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And he he was apparently working on a book of French recipes that he was telling anybody who came into the dining car all about in detail. So that was, was it about just the most.
0: was it just French onion soup, and just kept saying the same like easy ass ingredient?
1: I used my resting bitch face to avoid talking to him directly. I was just eavesdropping on this. So I God. didn't like. Isn't resting bitch face like the best tool though? <laughs> Especially when you're traveling. It's the best travel face. I call it, it resting travel face. It got it's just, me through
2: you know, high school.
1: <laughs> something has to, you know.
2: I can't not smile at someone who's like talking to me. Most, I just like. Bad idea. I oh, wish I, I could. Like, I wish I could be better about it.
1: But no, if you you're need talking, to to me, pain to look like like you're in pain while listening, and then that oh keeps the conversations funny, much like, shorter.
2: Face. Like <laughs> I'm taking a shit, not <laughs> <laughs> not drunk, not not shit faced, but yeah, just taking.
1: Well, yeah, making a face like you're you're literally actively taking a shit while someone is talking will also cut the conversation short, I think.
2: <laughs> I There's like a it's lot of techniques wrong with you?
0: Um, yes. It just depends on the
1: person you're talking to. They true. could be really into it. Oh my god, you guys want to know where everybody in America is today?
2: In their houses?
1: No. In a, in a mall. Close?
2: In the airport. The conti- Sorry. The container
1: store. We went to the container store and the line was around the block like to check out like all the way around the store because everybody's buying them containers today. It's like national. Did
2: everybody get crafts for
1: Christmas?
2: It's because everyone got their $600 stimulus check and now they can finally go buy the plastic storage they've been so (laughs) desperately needing.
1: That might explain it. Like they've gotta put away their Christmas crap and they're like, finally, I can put it away in something new instead of the old sack in the back.
0: Sack or- in the back. Yeah. I can organize my cottage core what? lifestyle. I still haven't gotten mine.
1: Your cottage core?
2: My 600- six hundred. Oh. Yeah. I got mine. You, go- you did? All right. John made it's, me put it in savings.
1: Is it true that you either get that or a vaccination? Isn't that oh. or like
2: <laughs> well if I could choose, is that, is man I would definitely oh. choose something <laughs> I would choose vaccination.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, wait, hold on.
1: What?
0: What's up with like fertility concerns and the vaccine?
1: Is are though is that real? Is that a real I don't, concern? I, I, I don't think it gets you pregnant, no.
2: Because <laughs> Lisa wants it. Uh, I just want a yeah. child that can <laughs> you want keep me disease-free. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know I think if they've done – that sounds like that would take a longitudinal study that clearly has not happened. So, Well, I know uh, people
0: that went into the testing, folks were like, hey, don't do this test if you're planning on getting pregnant in the next six months.
1: Right. So,
0: but I would say that that's probably true for every test, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: because they don't,
0: yeah,
1: unless they're they don't like, know what's going to happen. Yeah. Look, if you want to gamble, yeah. we want to know what happened. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Let's see that baby.
1: Yeah, if they take you into a study saying only do this if you're going to get pregnant in the next six months, I wouldn't do that study. That's, <laughs> no. they're, trying, <laughs> they're trying to find something not. really weird. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm mm, mm mm. No, I would be very surprised if anything in the vaccine would have anything to do with fertility. I did those are just two systems that wouldn't really have anything. To, unless you're actively pregnant and then I maybe be a little mm. concerned because whatever you put in you goes to the baby, but like if it's just future, you know, I don't see how that would it it's not like dealing with that system whatsoever.
2: See, Lisa? No.
0: Well, I just I need to have a I need a, Talk to some people that I talked to the other day.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Give them some updates.
1: Well, I mean, you're just getting my like completely uneducated guess.
0: <laughs> Your guesses um, are always a little educated. They're more educated than mine. I'll say that. <laughs> right,
1: well, yeah. Mine are I like. Don't be a lot it of, did it. I don't want there to be a lot of mutated babies like named after me, just because. <laughs> Karina says fine.
2: The children so of the corn, right? That's yes, what they're the calling children,
1: them. The children of the Karina, mm. yeah. They'll just be all vaccine mutate mutants, but maybe they'll have superpowers. Do you think of that? Well, Lisa. Bye, Lisa. Lisa. Okay.
2: Well, it was bound to happen. We should
1: probably, <laughs> we should probably tell stories before we lose
2: before we lose Lisa more again. audience members. Okay,
1: and or podcasters. Yeah.
2: Well. So.
1: Are you raring to go with it?
2: Well, I am, I am, but also like my story actually, yeah. and I didn't even think about this, but my story is about trains and it's very relevant to you just talking about trains. Uh, I love trains. Man. So I love trains.
0: My, this one. Mine, mine's relevant to putting yourself in storage.
1: Um. Also, welcome to oh, Weird gosh. Brunch. I'm Lisa Friedrich. Oh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm Whitney Lamond.
1: I'm Karina Magyar, and thanks for listening. If you want to chat at us on Twitch, I may or may not pay attention to it.
2: Yeah, I can't have it on
0: my computer, so it'll on no, down. If, if, if somebody to.
1: says something astonishing or uh, asks a very pertinent question, I will interrupt with that information.
0: Great. No, give us the little side comments. I want the little side. Well, so, far,
1: so far, somebody's told us not to worry about the vaccine. And no, don't even get it. Yes, no. exclamation don't worry points! About it,
0: man. Did they provide their uh, doctorate?
1: Not yet. Uh, a challenge has been thrown. We want to see credentials. There,
0: there you go. We'll see if that works. And just need yeah. your social security number and your doctorate, please.
1: Yeah, you can DM the social PhD in physics. Oh, that doesn't sound like. I mean, unless it's a PhD in physician stuff. That's physics <laughs> stuff.
0: Physics, <Yes. laughs> You
2: got halfway there. Uh, Sorry, Whitney. I didn't mean to derail you.
1: Yeah. Oh, ha ha. Train
2: pun. And I don't even know if that was intended. Was it? Take you off course. (laughs) I think derail makes more sense, but. Fine. Fingers, not mine. All right. So, um, like I said, let's go on a train journey. Uh, not too far from where we are today, uh, hundred and twenty-five years ago, though we're going back to ni- eighteen ninety-six, not nineteen ninety-six, and um, we're going to a little place that's about fifteen miles north of Waco, Texas. So hmm. for one day, Crush Waco. Yeah, it was called Crush Texas. So C R U S H was one of the biggest oh. cities in the state for one day. And it's because it was built and gone all in one time for a, one of the most ambitious PR marketing stunts of all time. Uh, so, like I said, this is like oh, what? a South by, what are they, what, yeah, what are they called? Like an active internet Yeah, Um, yeah. well, one of the first, for sure. So it's 1896, (laughs) and so around this time, most of the U.S. is kind of coming off of an economic downturn, people are pretty poor, jobs are hard to come by, and the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, which was better known by its nickname, the Katy, because... MKT, Missouri, Kansas, Texas, KT. So the KT is like, okay, so we're expanding pretty quickly. We just added some new stops. Like trains are the way to go. We need to do something to kind of draw attention to ourselves. But it's 1896, 1896. The internet doesn't exist. Like we barely have newspapers and shit. So this guy who is a passenger agent for the Katy, is like, you know what? I have this wild idea. I think they did it up in Ohio successfully. What if we grab two of our decommissioned trains, the old ones, and we set them in a head-on collision crash course and we invite everybody out to watch this? And the Katie board members are like, I don't know. And the engineers that work for the railroad are like, you know, actually, if we're not doing it on an actual like our rail line that we use all the time, we can build like a little short one that's not on there. And it really wouldn't be that bad of an idea. Like, all of them. This is, like, YouTube gold. So all of them, except for this one guy, he doesn't matter.
1: Please tell me they did it on a Sunday. Sunday, I
2: wish they had done it on a Sunday. (laughs) Uh, So Mm. the Katie board is like, you know what? Let's fucking do this. So George, William George Crush is like fuck yeah, let's start marketing this thing. We're going to do it in September, and we have a few months now to where we're going to get it in the newspaper. We're going to put posters around the little towns, like everywhere on our stops, and instead of charging people to get into our event, instead, the event itself is going to be free but you can get $2 round-trip tickets on our railway to get to this thing and home.
1: Smart So back then, own yeah, the roads. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: So back then, $2 would be about $62 in today's money. So moderately affordable, you know? Uh, yeah, it's like a Southwest deal. Yeah. So yeah. – they do – they market this so well and the PR goes so well that they end up selling out over 30, like, round-trip train fulls of people, which ends up being more like 40,000 people. They Whoa. had planned on what the Ohio one that had happened earlier in the year did, which was more about 20,000 people. So –
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. They've been crashing trains into each other in Ohio. Ohio too. They tried this it wasn't... out in
2: Ohio and Ohio, it worked. And everyone was like, fucking great. So if you think about it this way, back then, you know, the only real locomotion other than uh, trains, like people got around by like foot, on foot, on a bicycle, or on a horse. And a horse was. Pretty much the fastest you could go if you weren't on a train. So,
1: yeah, and you cannot get horses from running into (laughs) each other head on. It's really they just just just
2: don't want to do it. So, people back then were like, "I've literally never seen anything crash really like this ever. Like train crashes happened, but not staged, Mm -hmm. not inviting spectators to come see this shit." So everyone was like. I have got to see this goddamn crash.
1: Is Lisa frozen or did we just I don't really know. blow her mind? Lisa. I th- Lisa. Oh, good. There she's, she's back. Is.
2: Okay. You did look frozen. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Tuesday, September 15th. So it was on a Tuesday, 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 1896. Mm-hmm. They have built up all this like infrastructure because they're preparing for at least 20,000 people to be here. They drill some water wells. They borrow a tent from Ringling Brothers to like put food and stuff under there. They build a platform for VIPs to stand on their speaker stands. They have telegraph offices built because like the news people, like what other news do you have to cover there? And they name the little, Impromptu town that sprung up. They name it Crush Texas. So after okay. William, the guy who created really this idea,
1: who coincidentally created the idea of crushing yes. trains, crush crash,
2: okay, the crash crush. Hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, they construct a four-mile segment of train tracks, like away from their normal tracks so that they and it's in this like valley so it's almost kind of created its own sort of natural amphitheater the way they've positioned it and there will be two trains obviously and they'll start on either a hill on one side and a hill on the other side and then go in and smash in the middle uh (laughs) wait, ha- okay. Okay. Keep going. I will. Answers, I hope so I sure. do. So they're using <laughs> two 35 short ton decommissioned Baldwin engines. For all of you steampunk people out there who probably know what that shit oh. is. Uh they bring in 300 policemen, which is all, like the fact that they had planned this so far out in advance and like actually considered that we would need security back in like the late mm-hmm. 1800s is wild to me. So good on you for that. The day before yeah, this- the exhibition, railroad officials stage a speed test of the engines to kind of predict where they think the collision will actually happen. <gasps> like math. Yes, they're doing, I mean, they are engineers. So check. Train A starts at this yeah. B starts You at thought 5, you now. would never use yeah. it, but somebody is. So (laughs) they. Maybe that's where all those
1: word problems came from. This was the initial like time. They just crowdsourced it to all of the third graders in America to figure it It out. It could be.
2: (laughs) So the Katie engineers are talking to William Crush and they're like, we're almost hundred percent sure this is going to be safe. And I know you're concerned about the boilers on our steam engines, but they've all been designed to resist ruptures, especially at a high speed crash. And we think they're very unlikely to explode. And he's like, fuck great. Great. That's what we like to hear the day before this thing. They're like, also, each engine is going to pull six boxcars behind it. So it just looks a little bit cooler. Right. So sure.
1: Yeah. That's the Michael Bay talking.
2: Right yeah. There. So, <laughs> uh, so people start showing up obviously on September 15th by 4 p.m. It's that's when shit's supposed, supposed to start rolling literally. Um, People are super pumped. The cops have had a kind of a hard time. So keeping people at a safe distance, uh, Crush had told everybody that 200 yards away from everything is as close as the public can get. And they allowed journalists and photographers and member of the media to get up to a hundred yards away. So, okay. you know, They're still trying to be safe-ish. All right. So it's 4 p.m. And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay. They have the two cars come down slowly at first. And one is orange or one is green and one is red. And they come together in the middle to, like, meet for a photo op and basically kind of like a boxer's, like, fist bump or whatever before they go back into their... Corners. Oh God,
1: how much betting was there on this? Do you think people were I, betting on like if either one would survive? I don't know. I, I, I,
2: well, okay. <laughs> so they touch cattle guards and then they come back. They back up a mile in each direction, so they're back away from each other, mm-hmm. and they're like, "All right, boys, hit it." So the crews on board each locomotive had the instructions to open the throttles all the way tie the whistle cords down so they're just going ah, the whole time and then jump okay. the fuck off the train and they're like good yeah. I was wondering about <laughs> they're that they're not kamikaze in yeah, this shit so <laughs> they right. do that they jump off or that's their idea so Crush mm-hmm. is he, for he's the one He's he's on a white horse and he's like Going up and down and is like, all right, everybody, are you fucking ready for this shit? And they're like, well, yeah, we are. We're so excited. This is the most exciting thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And he throws his cowboy hat in the air. And that's the signal to the trains. Start. So there we go. Full throttle. Whistles down. Let's do this. So they start going. (laughs) their top speed estimated at between 45 and 50 miles an hour. These trains are hurtling towards each other and they hit with a force of impact. Woo, crazy noises. Uh, no, you're fine. Oh, sorry. It's kind of like someone yeah. was like sneezing. Okay. So the trains hit one to 2 million pounds of force, each one of them running into each other. What they hadn't accounted for were the six boxcars on each side that they were also pulling. So those kind of served, because they were being pulled, they kind of served as like a second and third wave of impact. So you get the one Mm -hmm. in the middle from the trains and then the boxcars. And then their one concern came true. And this is a quote Mm -hmm. from one of the newspapers. Quote, a crash, a sound of timbers rent and torn, and then a shower of splinters. There was just a swift instance of silence, and then, as if controlled by a single impulse. Both boilers exploded simultaneously and the air was filled what? with flying missiles of iron and steel varying in size from a postage stamp to half of a driving wheel. And wow. so they crashed, take a beat, and then that shit fucking explodes. The boilers explode. Two people die instantly. One Mm -hmm. of them is a guy named Ernest Darnell who was sitting in a mesquite tree at the time of the impact and was hit by flying Mm -hmm. debris and killed instantly. I don't know what happened to the other person. Probably something very similar. Uh, A Waco
1: man named Ernest killed while sitting in a mesquite tree is the most Texas headline I've ever heard. Uh, Yeah.
2: One, there was a photographer there from Waco, obviously, a lot closer. Um, His name was Jarvis Dean, and he ended up getting hit in the eye by like a bolt, like a metal bolt, and it took his eye out. Um, Uh There was a Confederate veteran at the scene and he told the newspapers, it was like a scene from the civil war battle. People are falling everywhere. There's heavy smoke. There's shrapnel everywhere. And uh, it was wild. Six people are injured on top of the two people who die. But other than that, it wasn't quite as bad Because everyone was like, holy fuck. And then, like, the injured people were injured. But they were like, well, I want a piece of this. So everybody ran to the crash site and started, like, taking souvenirs. And everything was on fire and burning hot. So a lot of people burned themselves trying to steal pieces of these crashed trains. Um, Oh, my God.
0: The story makes... This is insane.
2: (laughs) The story (laughs) makes national headlines. And... The Katie company is like, fuck you, George or William Crush. You're done. This was insane. But the next day, they realized that they're getting so much fucking publicity from this. And it's not even that negative. They're like, the crash and there's pictures and everyone's covering it. And they see this like huge surge of people buying tickets on the Katy railroad and they
1: just yeah, to go past and the they, crash. And they like, oh, geez.
2: well, I guess I don't call up old William crush, but the next day they're like, Hey, guess what? Uh, actually turns out all of this was pretty great. Those two people who died is not even that big a deal. We gave them lifetime passes on the Katy run railroad and a little bit of cash. And they see." I knew that Get their yeah. families, well, right? Because
1: yes. their lifetime right. has to, oh. to their families. And they're like, actually, oh,
2: right. it's all good. Come back. cat Crash, uh, sorry, Crush ends up working for the Katy Railroad for like another 60 fucking years. He was uh, rumored to have even gotten a bonus because of all the attention it did end up bringing the railroad and that surge of business.
1: Uh, oh my God! Did he did he keep crashing trains? Def- Is that his job? They, like did he keep they did do crashes? it
2: anymore, but it definitely happened in other places frequently for like a hundred years afterwards or something. Maybe not a hundred, but it kept happening hmm. as like a PR thing. Many other railroads did it, and even though it was considered oh. a tragedy the Katie benefited so much for the following years. Like it, it, it was just, it went down in history. Um, I don't know how familiar y'all are with ragtime music, but probably the most Mm -hmm. famous ragtime musician is Scott Joplin. Um, And he created a song about the crush crash collision. Well, called the great crush collision. Sorry. It's a lot of, Sounds. Uh, You can listen to it still. I can play it. Oh wait, I don't have it pulled up anymore because I had to restart my computer. But um, it sounds. It sounds like the music that would definitely be playing in the background of one of those black and white movies where a girl's about to fucking get run over by a train and she's like tied up on the railroads. Um, But yeah. Do you guys know that?
1: Oh, you guys can't hear that.
2: Um, But yeah, so that's the story of the crash at Crush. Um, There's like a (laughs) commemoration and shit up there now. So if you're, if you live in Waco and you feel like going, go for it.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd like to, like, it's almost like a highway accident. It slows everybody down to Rubberneck except 100 years later. Mm-hmm. you know what that story reminds me of is when the and maybe we should do this story on a future podcast but the time they blew up a whale oh
2: yeah you, you
1: know, that yeah and it went horribly wrong yeah Lisa's
2: like i'm gonna do it or are you mad i mean i'm always mad.
0: <laughs> my secret um that's like I wish they had named the trains like monster I trucks.
2: I think they might have. There was yeah. a lot of like advertising on the side of the trains. Uh, <laughs> so, Hell yeah! Yeah, it, they people said it was very gaudy and kind of tacky the way they added so much advertising to the trains. But oh,
1: that's no, how I feel it about wasn't a classic no. train crash. I've I seen mean,
2: classier
0: train crash. Oh. I, I mean. mean it, uh, If I'm wearing gloves to the train crash, it better be classy. Oh, my God. but
1: Trains. Trains. Oh, my God. Well, Lisa, you have a storage story? I do. Um, More or less. So we'll go
0: from trains and go straight to cruise ships. The train Um, of the water. Maybe if you're... Right? <laughs> it's a the train yeah, of the it sea. Is. yeah, it's a water train. Um. So, you know, if you're like most of our listeners, just huge fans, and you've listened to every single episode, um, or if you know me at all, you know yeah. that my par- my parents uh, are just huge into cruises. So, you know, cruise ships are very close to my heart. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about cruises. But um, so I want to talk about the crews
2: that live on the cruise <gasps> ships. Okay, wait. I have one question. Have you watched Below Deck? It's a reality show. About- no, not yet. Okay. Cruise on yachts. So highly recommend. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like that life
0: is probably
2: slightly different,
0: <laughs> much better. <laughs> probably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, typical life on, on board as a crew member, it kind of sucks. Uh, so, like, the, the one thing I think is really cool is that everyone, like, everyone, if you're a dancer, if you're a, a line cook, you have to be trained in, uh, and, and basically, you're an EMT. Like, you have to know all of the medical things to, like, help save people, which I think that's kind of cool. the comics? Even
1: the comics? <laughs> yeah. Huh? I think so. I can Dude, ask. I don't. I don't want a cruise ship comic saving my life. And, I, you know, if anybody would be comfortable with that, it should be me, but no. Mm-mm.
0: There's at least two I can think of that I'd be okay with. That. The one, the last cruise I went on, the we went to the comic thing. And then the guy like starts throwing his voice and he's got a box next to him. And my brother and I lean over to each other. We're like, we have to go. This is a puppet, guy. We have to go. Uh, and then I saw my parents like across the thing, like they stood up and walked out and I was like, respect,
1: <laughs> respect. Yeah. That. Um, That's right. He trained them well.
0: Yeah, so the crew quarters are kind of like when uh Fabrizio and Jack, uh, like where they were staying in the Titanic, um, just kind of like down towards the bottom. Most of them, obviously, all of this changes depending on the size of the boat, uh, the ship, sorry, um, right. and then like yeah. what company <laughs> I know, uh. So they're sometimes separated, the, the individuals are separated by departments. So like if you're in the kitchen, if you're a, a bartender, if you're in the casino, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then also sometimes they're separated by nationality, which might sound weird, but it makes total fucking sense because, you know, they're speaking, you know, there's yeah. some kind of familiarity and you're very far away. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you're lucky, you have a bathroom in your cabin. Uh, but often it is a communal where your flip-flops in the shower situation. Uh, there's a lot of like weird rules too. like, you know, obviously you can't hook up with a passenger and, um, like there's certain areas that you're, you can walk through the, and certain areas you can't walk through. It's just, there's a lot of, it's kind of like, uh, Disney world's, uh, what do they call it?
1: Cast members or whatever. Um, if, you can't, if you can't hook up with passengers, then what the hell was the love boat all about? I mean, that right. whole show. I, yeah. I don't um, think they can enforce that. Love is love.
0: Well, it's all, so that's the other thing is they're like constantly being watched. It's like if oh, you're yeah. just walking around DC, like you are constantly being watched. So if they do see you hooking up with a passenger, uh you are kicked off the ship at the um, next port. You don't have to walk the plane. Um <laughs> No, not until you're docked. Um So th- there's also like, there's long contract lengths, So they go from two months to 11 months and there's long hours, you know, eight hours. Great. But some people have reportedly been working like 20 hour days. Uh, and you're working every day. You're on that boat seven days a week. Um, there's also, so you can't hook up with passengers, but there's a big hookup culture between um, the crew, which I'm probably, I'm guessing that's mm-hmm. below deck as well. Uh, but uh-huh. it's just like huge hookup culture uh which then leads to some uh harassment. So and mm. and worse. Uh a light example of this is a former Royal Caribbean cruise employee said one of her managers would make comments about her sexual orientation and criticize her for never changing her hairstyle.
2: Rude. <gasps> mhm. Mhm.
0: Um, and there's also, okay, there, there's a secret code, obviously. It's like uh, when you're at the H-E-B and they're like, code yellow because mustard spilled on aisle, whatever. Uh, the code on the boat is code Adam, a child oh. is missing. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Code Alpha is a medical emergency, kind mm-hmm. of vague. Code Oscar is man overboard, And code Bravo
1: is a fire on the ship. You would think that Bravo would come before Alpha. Like fire on the ship seems like a big deal.
0: Yeah. Well, mm -hmm.
1: anyway, do they have a code for uh, a disease outbreak or is that just considered part of the day to day?
0: Yeah.
1: Of of being on a cruise.
0: I would say that's like a big code Alpha, (laughs) like a huge (laughs) medical emergency.
1: (laughs) Um, If you're code mega alpha, that's when you know. mm -hmm. Make sure your shots are... Everyone has
2: dysentery. Yeah.
0: We all come
1: from the Congo line.
0: It's code uh, sigma alpha, or I don't know, pick a frat. Um, (laughs) There's a disease. So... uh, (laughs) Okay, so... In 2018, they like did a survey and about one fifth of these uh, of the mariners of the of the cruise crews <laughs> uh, said that they had suicidal thoughts, right? Like depression is stemming from this job. You're in a confined space or you're working like there's there's really no in between. Um, they also so they have kind of their own uh, kitchen. And <laughs> depending on who you ask. Um, most everyone is like that food is awful. It is fuck awful. Um, so obviously the cruise lines and and people like that are like, you have your own special chef. Um, salaries also range from like 650 to $2,000 per month, which is, yeah. yeah. But if you think about it, you're not really spending money until you get off of that boat but that's still not a full years. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but there, a lot of the people on these boats and in the crew are from countries where that's right. a shit ton of money, right? Like that's really low right. American standards, but um, so let's go into what happened this year with cruise, cruise, COVID hits, cruises stop in mid March. Uh, cruise ships were and a, Epidemiological, you can do it. You know, this word, you know, this word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> epidemic, oh whatever, they were a nightmare, uh, during the early days of the pandemic. So, we're not only Talking about international travel, but we're combining it with like line dancing and buffets huh? and karaoke. Lisa? Everyone's okay, touching okay. everything. Yes. Um, yes.
2: Uh oh. Sorry, you glitched out just a little bit. Do I need to- No, I think you're back, be- you're back, right? Karina, she mm-hmm. good. Okay. It
1: seems okay. I think it's easy. all I'll calm just Calm down, don't
2: fuck it up.
1: I think it's the buffering will come back. Yay. There we go.
0: Um, so Carnival and their competitor Royal Caribbean, which is a, if you ask my parents, a much uh, better experience on Royal Caribbean, they did everything, uh, to get their customers back home, right? They're, they're getting chartered flights. They're doing everything they can to get their, um, the people, you know, the, the, uh, the folks on board, off board, except the crew members, um, they were like, but, uh, go maybe you'll stay on and help kind of run this boat. So it's not just docked yeah. and collecting dust and whatever. So here now for, mm-hmm. so we're talking over 125,000 people that are just living on the water in the middle of a pandemic. Um, oh. and after the passengers were off the ships, they're just, the crew's just there at sea. Um, so the one of the kind of stories here is Bahamas Paradise Cruise Lines, uh when the sailing operations had halted, they uh quote from a, a crew member, forced all crew members aboard the ship to sign a document stating they were voluntarily staying on board <laughs> without pay.
2: Uh-huh. What? Shitty. Mm-hmm. That's- yeah there you go Mm -hmm. more than shitty Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Bahamas Bahamas Paradise Cruise Lines is in the middle of a lawsuit Um, Uh because the uh, crew members were forced to sign these agreements by being threatened that they would not be rehired if they did not sign that's in the lawsuit um And then, yeah, the system of requiring crew members to work without pay is the equivalent of forced labor or peonage. I I got that. Uh, Slavery. Peonage. Peonage. Um, So other cruise ship companies like Carnival and Royal Caribbean and Norwegian, the ones that you've more so heard of, uh, they have been paying – working crew members so they're not paying the non-working ones and guess who controls who's working and who's not um
1: right. no so, if, they to, if you have to stay on the ship you're working even if you're not picking up a brew right. you don't want to be on the ship you're at okay. the office
0: yeah um so while on board they're all you know again depending on the ship depending on the cruise line they're either like fuck it, let's have parties and all kiss each other and give each other COVID. Or they're in lockdown, just the same as, you know, everywhere. Uh, And then I think in April, the CDC was like, y'all need to separate these people. There's no more parties to be had. Um, There's daily temperature checks. There's a, a socially distanced buffet line that can take like 30 minutes to get through. I saw some photos of this and it looked I mean, that line was wrapped around. And then while you're taking these 30 minutes to get through this line, you're only allowed out. And this is uh, a specific ship, uh, carnival ship. You're only allowed outside your cabins at mealtime for an hour or two. Um, so some folks would take that hour or two. Mm hmm. Some some people would take that hour or two to like eat as fast as you can and then like go walk around, smoke a fucking cigarette. Um, you can also still <clears throat> buy drinks at the bar, buy, purchase buy. the drinks at the bar mm-hmm. um, for a dollar seventy five, you know, crude discount. But <laughs> gross. I hate that. Um, yeah some of the workers are like, you know, this is just weird. It's like a ghost ship. Um, and you know, if you're quarantined, you're stuck, you know, for almost three weeks in an economy room, you barely have a bunk bed, a desk, a mini fridge, and then like a little tiny porthole to look out of. Um, and typically those are like right above the water. So you can like Barely, even then, you're like, I'm just looking at a blue thing that I can't even discern. Uh, so it's a very claustrophobic environment. And workers, you know, they're that were on the boats, they're like, the, the repatriation schedules are, are constantly changing. Now, obviously, some of that is. Um, Based on the the country of origin, some of it is based on the cruise lines. Some of it is based on the CDC, um, as most of these companies are uh, incorporated within America. They had to abide by CDC guidelines. Um, so that's also kind of prisony, where it's like you don't know what time it is. You might get out, you might not. But mm-hmm. um, so without, so you're
1: saying that it's American laws that have created this system of slavery and prison and-
0: in, in some Sh- situations, yes. in some situations. Yes. Okay. Um, so without we the, customers- to make sure we, were, we still got it, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. no, yeah. yep never going to yeah. not have it. Um, so yeah. without the customers on board, carnival moved many of the contractors to off duty. Like I was saying earlier, you're not going to get paid, but you can enjoy in, enjoy the amenities of these ships um so a lot of these folks are using these this money to support their families on land you know back at their their home country home hometown um and so that's another thing where they're like so i don't know how much money i'm gonna miss out on or like a um the internet access was complimentary <clears throat> on some boats, uh, but it could be painfully slow uh or only strong enough for like social media so you and you can't texting. stream like, anything. You mm-hmm. can't
2: uh, right yeah, you can uh, Richardson. or below deck.
0: Mm-hmm. No. My escape is watching no. other people on boats uh, while I'm on a boat. <laughs> Um, So they're separated from their families, they're confined to these tiny cabins, there's uh, no clear legal recourse, uh, no pay, they're really experiencing this like extreme version of the lockdowns that we experienced. Um, And, you know, even polling people on land this year has increased depression within people and, like, suicide ideation tremendously. So crew members um, on – let's see. So they also (laughs) – crew members on 100 of the 106 cruise ships uh, for uh, the CDC had data that said that – sorry, crew members on 100 of 106 cruise ships, uh, there was COVID or COVID-like illness on these boats. So almost 100% of these boats uh, between March 1st and June 23rd. So after the customers were off, then we're still seeing these COVID outbreaks because of the parties and the sex.
1: I mean, Um, what else are you going to do? And so did they have like medical care? Or are they just getting thrown overboard when they die? Like, was there hospitals on these ships still being staffed?
0: Every cruise ship uh, has a morgue. Ooh. Every single <laughs> cruise ship has a morgue. Roughly
2: 200 people die on cruise Ooh, ships a year. What? I'm not even reading that.
1: Why? I, mean, <laughs> are, I, I feel
2: like the population of a cruise ship is generally older, right? Like, it's old people. So... Damn.
1: Mm. Yeah, I get why there's a morgue. Uh, what I want to know is why people find this to be relaxing. To Uh-oh. go on a floating hotel that you can't leave with a morgue. I don't
0: okay. a floating hotel. I, if it. only. Okay. <laughs> if only, I know. Yeah. If you gotta um, go. So, to be fair, also, um, the understanding is at least 23 people died from coronavirus on, on these boats. Well, Uh, crew members but i wouldn't think it's much more than that because a lot of the crew member population is younger it it skews much younger than the the Mm. guests um so the cdc is also like "Mm -mm, y'all ain't coming back (laughs) not yet so, uh one of the things this is uh kind of what people experienced. Um this one woman, this is her story. She was a uh shop employee on one of the luxury liners and she learns she's pregnant while she is aboard the ship. Um from the sex. And uh they were
1: I it'd be from the food or the vaccine. Um uh.
0: God damn it. Um so apparently the employees were being served uh, really strong curries that made her nauseous. Uh, and then oh, she she was like, Hey, I've got a lot of stomach pain. I'm pregnant. What, this is in May. So again, this is her being stranded at this point. Uh, and she was like, do you have any prenatal vitamins? So easy to just have like cruise ships have convenience stores. Like this should be a thing. Um, And the doctor was like, no, we don't have any. You just need to stay calm and stay in your cabin.
1: Uh,
0: Quit vomiting. And so she's in her cabin and she's thinking and thinking and thinking. She's like, I'm not having this baby on this ship. Like if I like, I, I don't know what the fuck. And so she's just in this really, you know, fucked up place. Now a spokesperson uh, for this luxury liner, I don't remember the the name of it. Um, said pregnant crew were provided extensive medical care and prioritized repatriation. She made it home to South Africa in June and uh, gave birth to a healthy baby boy on December seventeenth of this year. Oh,
1: that's um, a twenty twenty baby, the happiest babies on earth. Yeah.
0: Um. So. Oh, <laughs> So Carnival and Royal Caribbean are like clashing with government authorities, again, in America, but also in like all of the countries, all, the countries. Um, all of them, because all of them are like our borders are closed. Um, you know, it's one thing to be like, hey, you bunch of Americans get here. Here's California. Here's Florida. Go g- get Um, But when you're trying to get people back to India, the Philippines, Ukraine, like all of these places are experiencing these outbreaks. So what they did was they would take crew members and like move them from ship to ship to try to get them on a ship that was going towards their home country. So there were accounts of people that were on three different cruise ships within two days um because they would get on one and then they'd be like oh this is the wrong one or this was and then they would have to go to another so kind of th- spread it mm-hmm.
1: more mm-hmm. It, isn't that going to spread the covid around okay
0: yes my um so this is another thing where like yes you're getting you're spreading whatever is from this boat to this boat and this went on for for months. Um, so they were trying to again group them on, on a crew, but it was so disorganized, uh, and th- it just was not working out. You can also see pictures of like fifteen cruise ships docked outside of wherever, and they're trying to drop their crew members off, but they have to like sit and wait and wait and wait for the country's government to be like, okay we've got all of the preparations they can come on. So um, by the way, as of, I mean, I'm sure there's still crew members on boats now, but even as recently as November, there's on top of that, like they lifted the regulations on October 31st. And so now crew members are like getting re stuck. Um, Not as often, obviously, but it's right. So um, let's talk about some of the people that did not make it off. Um, So a lot of these crew members are feeling this hopelessness, this inability to escape. And unlike prisons, they're not taking people's shoelaces away. So on April 29th, an electrical engineer from Poland on Royal Caribbean's Jewel of the Seas disappeared while the ship was anchored in the Saronic Gulf, south of Athens. Ship security cameras capture him leaping into the water that morning. Um, And then Greek authorities, you know, they're washing up. Two weeks later, on May 10th, um, a waitress from UK- Ukraine died after jumping overboard from Carnival's Regal Princess near Rotterdam. Around this time, a Chinese contractor was found dead on Royal Caribbean's Mariner of the Seas. Uh, a crew member aboard that ship says most people believe it was another suicide, but the company is like he died of natural causes. Uh,
1: of
0: yes, and then
1: the uh, answer less that way. <laughs>
0: A Filipino cook was found dead in his cabin on Carnival's Aid Blue. I don't know what that is. Ada Blue. Um, there's actually a GoFundMe for his family. Can ex- bundown if you want to look that up. Uh, four days later, another worker from the Philippines died in an apparent suicide on Virgin Voyages' Scarlet Lady. Uh, Virgin Voyages did not respond to requests for comment. Um, and then Royal Caribbean's like, we don't comment on individual deaths of, out of respect for crew privacy.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, in June, those were all in May in June, Mariah Jackson, uh, she's a waitress from the Philippines. She's stranded on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas. Um, she's last seen asking for a, f- a friend for a teapot. And according to her father, on June 9th, crew heard a code alpha blared over the ship's intercom system. Um, and then Jackson was found hanged over her cabin's Whoa. balcony railing. <sighs> Soon after Mariah's death, workers began passing around a video. This is dark. A video on WhatsApp, an email that apparently showed in graphic detail her body being dragged onto a rescue boat. So that's how they're getting folks off. Um, um, Carnival and Royal Caribbean each offered a confidential phone line uh, to dial a therapist for psychological support. Who has ever used those? Like <laughs> so many companies are like, here's our employee, uh, whatever, whatever. And I'm not anywhere. Um, and then several crew members were like, yeah, I didn't call because like, if I'm, Talking to uh, human resources, um, they like wouldn't talk to human resources on board. They wouldn't make these phone calls because they were worried it could jeopardize their future employment, which is so fucking sad. Um, in mid-May, so before even the June suicides, uh, on Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas, crew members started a hunger strike to pressure the company to get them home faster on the deck of the majesty of the seas, another Royal Caribbean ship protesters raised a banner. It's huge reading. How many more suicides do you need? And it's right in front of like the kids pool slides area.
1: Wow! (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. And then, um, let's see, uh, Oh, Royal Caribbean says the company, quote, understood the frustration behind the protests and that the ship's captains took steps to resolve each each situation. Um, so I I found this all most of this in a Bloomberg article that came out. Um, and they focus on this one guy, Joseph Saller. He's 28 years old. He was on a carnival ship. He started working on the boat in January. Um and then he What happened um, on May 9th is that they they realize he's missed his temperature checks. So it's it's a Saturday. They hadn't seen him since Wednesday. Um, According to interviews with crew and official documents, a team was dispatched to check on him, but they couldn't get into his cabin door. It was uh, blocked by something heavy. They managed to push it open uh, just a crack, and then they what they did was um, they like shook his shoulder. There was no response. So they go into an adjacent room, they get on that balcony and then they hop balconies, which is a horrific idea in, on a cruise ship when you're that far above a water, uh, any water. Um, So they bust in and they find his body like slumped over. He's blue. He's got blood coming out of his mouth and there's a belt around his neck. Um, When his parents, so his, meanwhile, his parents are in Hungary, and they're like cleaning up their weekend cottage, they're stocking the fridge, they're getting this place prepared for his, you know, uh, quarantine time. And like, it's a really pretty place. So they're like, this will lift his spirits, because he's been telling us how, you know, fucking sad he is. Uh, and then they get a phone call, um, and, you know, obviously that's a, a horrific phone call, but then after that, they would not give his family m- many details, so they also were like, hey, I'm the consulate, here's the number for Carnival, you call them, like, th- it was, it's very odd, and I think it's all, you know, tied into legality bullshit, but... Um, they he when he talked to them, he was like, so the door was was he was he found against the door? Like he had to ask them all of these questions that would matter and in, in figuring out how he how he passed. Um mm. so just like really shitty situations. So now what um there is a former crew member, Krista Thomas, she's living in Canada, she started a Facebook group to advocate for seafarers during the pandemic. So she's trying to like speak out from land. Um, and she would talk to the crew members, you know, one-on-one and she said she would get messages like the doctor gave me, uh, anti-anxiety medicine. And my plan is to take the whole bottle.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, she then enrolled in an online suicide prevention course to learn how to respond to that stuff. So hell yeah, Krista. Um, A lot of the advocacy groups for seafarers are pushing for better cabin conditions, uh, more control over the working hours and the contract length. Uh, Crew members say it would also help to have psychologists on board instead of having to make these weird phone calls. Uh, And then, you know, obviously, let's see, one of the... in Norway, Seafarers Union says so they said that one of their biggest concerns is that the ship workers may again get trapped uh, at sea if COVID outbreaks recur. So now that you know, again, they're kind of eking, eking people in. They're doing like test runs. They're doing, you know, they're trying to figure out their um, air oh. circulation. Uh, my my mom. <laughs> Coming, ma'am, was telling me that they've got it to where like all of the air within the boat will recirculate every two minutes, which I think, you know, good job. You're, you're doing everything you can to keep your business uh, alive and keep my parents. Happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. And so when COVID started uh, and coronavirus was like on, in all these boats, on all these boats, my parents got back from a cruise like the first week of March, anyway. Um, nice. <laughs> you know, everybody was kind of talking about like, oh, this cruise ship's having to be stuck at sea for a week before the passengers can get off. Well, the, kind we kind of stopped talking about it um and and yeah. people are, you know, people are killing themselves. people are dying. Uh, and it's it's something that you know, if you, if you Google it, like there's articles all over the place, but it's something that I think this, uh, Bloomberg piece, like it got pushed to me multiple times, um, on just different apps and stuff. So I'm hoping that this kind of gets out a little bit more, um, cause it's definitely something that, that folks really need to, uh, know about and pay attention yeah. to.
1: Yeah, for sure. We should find right? a, What a fucking find some bummer. ways to put up with the with the episode. Yeah, it is.
0: Well it's, yeah, it's one of yeah. those like it's happening now things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think kind of makes these stories heavier all the time. But yeah. Still just, it's important. Yeah. And also
1: a good reminder ever to never ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever go on a cruise. Just yeah. don't. Just don't. You're not missing anything.
0: And if you do, yeah. don't get an interior room because they're... Those <laughs> are the <laughs> ones with without pressing. windows,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Those are the ones that I when get shoved prepared. in yeah. when mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm.
1: dragged on the cruise.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I have a story about a person... Do you? On a cruise. Or at least a long journey, Yes. <laughs> A, a land cruise. A land cruise. So, yeah. Is it yeah. you? No. Yeah, guys. My story is just says a about me. And no. <laughs> my life. It's so random. Uh, okay, so we're gonna talk about Mansa Musa. Mansa Musa, also known as Musa the uh, First, was the tenth imperial leader of the Mali empire and the Mali empire M-A-L-I was a big deal in West Africa from the 13th century, mid to early 13th century until the 17th century. So good 400 years. It dominated the modern day countries of Senegal, Mauritania, Mali, and uh, little bits of, you know, guinea and other areas like right there and right below the sahara desert but above the coast in um, west africa and uh it wasn't very well known to the rest of the world at the time because europe during the beginning of that the, the first 200 years of that was uh, a big old mess it wasn't going anywhere it wasn't doing anything the age of exploration was not yet occurring uh, nobody could read you know the dark ages and then also uh, the Ottoman empire and the Chinese empires to the east weren't going to Africa for just lots of reasons. And they certainly weren't going to go all the way across the Sahara desert into Africa. Everybody kind of stopped at Cairo and said, good enough for me. So pyramids. We like it here. yeah, pyramids. Wow. So the Mali empire really flourished and grew in tremendous amounts of power and wealth, like kind of without the world knowing about it, similar to the Mayan and Aztec empires in the West. Um, for a while. So uh, Mansa Musa was tremendously, tremendously like make Jeff Bezos look poor, wealthy. And the reason was was the Mali Empire was built on two commodities that it had in spades. In the north, it was just lousy with salt. Salt mines everywhere. You could just scoop salt up off the ground. That sub-Saharan area, full of salt. And before re- refrigeration, salt was generally used to keep all your food edible, and so everybody wanted salt. Question: yes, Lisa. Um, so, uh,
0: Do you think that all of the uh, uh, sci-fi movies and, and stories that involve spice? Do you think that's based on salt?
1: Possibly, yeah, yeah. like all, like Dune. Kind of, yeah, sort of I like, mean, spice from the desert. Yeah, definitely salt. The salt mines of the deserts of Africa
2: are like salt that gets you fucked good up. Example though,
1: that, yeah. yeah, exactly. If that salt yeah. can make you feel some besides birds on your tongue, then yeah, definitely. So that was the northern part of the uh, empire, and the southern part of the empire joined the northern part of the empire because the southern empire was just lousy with gold gold everywhere gold pouring out of the ground in the hills in the rivers lots and lots of gold and so the southern empire like well we've got all this gold we don't need it northern empire we got all the salt we don't need it and so what they did was they literally made bags of gold dust and bags of salt and they would just trade them one for one in equal weight and it made perfect sense that empire and that kind of circulation built a pretty strong economy And then what they would do is they would trade with the occasional traders from Europe or from uh, Eastern Africa who came in to the ports of the empire. They would have lots of salt and gold, which were super valuable to all the rest of the world. And they would get paid. uh, Well, usually they were selling out salt for gold. They get paid in gold. And the rule in the empire was gold dust was for circulation. That's money. But gold nuggets or gold bars, that's not money. That's the emperor's. And so all that gold just went to the emperor. Boop, boop, boop. Until, like, literally had palaces of gold, rods of gold, clothes of gold, crowns of gold. The most gold anybody's ever personally owned in the history of the world. But Mansa Musa had a problem. Nobody fucking knew about him. And if there's one thing that rich people hate, it's nobody fucking knowing about him, Mm -hmm. unless they're smart. Uh, Mansa Musa... (laughs) decided it was time for the world to find out about the Mali Empire. But he also decided some other things that had to do with his religion. Because, see, what happened was he was Muslim. Um, Now, his kingdom wasn't, because his kingdom had freedom of religion 500 years before. Holy shit. The Western (laughs) civilization figured out what that was about. So everybody was able to worship kind of what they wanted. And just because he was Muslim, he didn't, like, enforce this Islam as a state religion very 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 rare for Islamic kingdoms um, but he was very devout and he wanted to inspire uh, Islamic faith in his religion so he decided you know what I'm gonna do uh, see my grand and my dad the reason the person who died so that I could get this job my dad <coughs> took a boat and sailed west into the Atlantic to find the edge of the world He never came back. I sent, I became emperor. I sent all these boats to find my dad. All I got back were reports that he got swallowed by a whirlpool or perhaps discovered the Caribbean and was the reason there were people in the Caribbean when Columbus got there 200 years later. That's a whole theory. That's a whole theory going on is that there might've been some African colonizers, uh, living in the Caribbean. And those were the tribes of the anyway. That's the I mean, only thing. That's that, a makes,
0: that makes so much yeah. sense.
1: Yeah, it's possible. Unlikely, it, but possible. And white folk yeah. were like... <clears throat> oh, these are, these are just Indians. No, they are going to those... colonize. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, so anyway, his grandpa went that way. And he was like, well, uh, I'm a devout Muslim, but I do agree with that we should be expanding our notoriety through the world and sharing our gifts with mankind I'm going to go east. I'm going to go do a, a Hajj. I'm going to do a pilgrimage. I'm going to Mecca. That's my job as a Devout Muslim. I'm going to Mecca. Guys, saddle up. So he brought with him, and this is where I got to start bringing in uh, the numbers, because the numbers are like most of the story here. All his people. I'm
2: imagining a very like Prince and Ali from <laughs> uh, Aladdin style. You guys, 12,000 oh.
1: slaves. 12,000 slaves, each carrying four pounds worth of gold bars. So that's 36,000 pounds of gold right there. 60,000 court retinue, all wearing Persian silk and brocade and carrying entire staffs made of gold. Um, So that's 60,000 gold staffs. And then they threw on 80 camels. Each camel was carrying another 300 pounds of gold dust. And then a whole bunch more horses who are pulling giant chests full of gold. And then, of course, everything he's wearing is gold. It was literally like all the gold in the world at this <laughs> point. It might as well have been all the gold.
2: Yeah, right?
1: they set off across the uh, African center and stopped at every town and bought a bunch of shit. And everybody was like, holy crap, who's this guy? <laughs> Ah, it's Mansa Musa. He's he's the you know he's a good guy. Oh, okay, great. The Mali Empire, they're awesome. So like a great PR tour, right? Just going around throwing gold everywhere. He uh, this is this happens in thirteen twenty four, by the way, to give you kind of an idea that this is 170 years before Columbus. This is like smack in the middle of the dark ages. Uh, he gets to Cairo. Now Cairo at the time was the center of the world's gold trade. Cairo was where everybody knew the gold was. That was the wealthiest city uh, on the planet. It was the trade center. Istanbul and Cairo were the connections to the east and the west. So it's like, man, Cairo was the New York City or the London or the, like it's the biggest, most important city in the world at the time.
0: That's what happens he when you up. have
1: a river. That's right. And you're on the Mediterranean, right? So Mansa Musa shows up, and uh, as he's approaching the border with his thousands, tens of thousands of people carrying gold, and his camels, and his horses, and his elephants. Apparently, I forgot about the elephants, also covered in gold. Uh, a little envoy of the uh, ruler of Cairo, who is Al Malik comes running out, and he's like, "Ah, uh, greetings." From the all-powerful Sultan of Cairo, uh, we see that you are an important person. Would you come pay tribute to the all-powerful Sultan of Cairo? And Mansa Musa mm-hmm. said, no, I'm just passing through. And they were like, oh, no, you didn't. The all-powerful Sultan of Cairo demands that you come visit. And Mansa Musa is like, I'm just going to Mecca. I'm a devout Muslim on a hajj. I have my humble gifts to give to Allah, and I'm just passing through. Anyway, negotiations go back and forth. It almost comes to war. And then finally, Musa agrees to appear before the Sultan of Cairo. But he's really kind of miffed about it. He realizes well, he, yeah. he didn't want to start a full war with Egypt, but he also kind of wanted to pass through without paying fealty to this guy in Cairo because that's not the point of his PR tour. So before he goes and visits the Sultan, he comes up with a plan to make sure that the Sultan understands who's really in charge of Africa. So he goes, mm-hmm. he meets the Sultan and the Sultan says, greet me, and the way you greet the Sultan is you kiss his feet. And one is like, well, I don't want to kiss his feet, but I'm going to, I'll kiss his feet. And the Sultan feels good, because this very rich and powerful king from Western mm-hmm. Africa just his And he's his got feet. a foot thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, he's got a foot thing, right? So he's like, ah, oh, thank you. And, and uh, please welcome, uh, you're welcome to the hospitality of my kingdom. We are honored to have such a great person here. And Mansa Musa's like, thanks. We will shower you with gifts. And the Sultan's like, thank you so much. And Mansa Musa unloaded half of his gold on the city of Cairo. Oh, England, my God. Bought everything. And what that did was it made uh, gold worthless. Fuck you, Cairo. For 10 years, a huge recession, Cairo was blown away. Like, it just completely took away their currency and flooded it. With gold for 10 years, the economy of Cairo was in shambles. And in fact, the ripples were felt in Istanbul and in Italy and across the Mediterranean. Gold suddenly became worthless because one dude just unloaded his stash.
0: That is yeah. so
1: advanced. Yeah.
0: That is it's such an ball. advanced. I would never think of that
1: plan. Before. That was what he did. And he kept doing it. He realized how powerful this was. So he kept doing it uh, throughout Saudi Arabia and like, dropping my gold, dropping my gold. And basically on his return trip, he meets the Sultan uh, after he did his thing in Mecca. And the Sultan was like, oh, welcome back. need any gold. And Monsimus was like, I would love to borrow a great deal of gold at a very high interest. And the Sultan's like, thank you. Thank you. Please take this gold off my hands. So he takes the gold back, borrows it all back, uh, pays it out at the high interest. But that interest is really a payment to Cairo to remind them that at any time he could tank their economy with all of his gold and to like make Egypt sort of a vassal state to the Mali's, economically speaking. So that's no. what he did. He came back, put all his gold away and said, if I ever need to screw with the world, all I got to do is just spend my money. And uh that got him noticed. He all of a sudden the Mali Empire showed up in the Western um encyclopedias, like everybody in Egypt knew who he was, everybody in Saudi Arabia knew who he was, it literally put them on the map. Trade starts extremely flooding in, everybody wants to go get a piece of this gold. So now all sorts of goods are coming into the kingdom and they're you know trading out salt and gold. He takes over Gao, which is the easternmost region of the Mali Empire. And Timbuktu, um, which is still to this day a fairly important city, he built universities, he built mosques. Uh, one of the mosques he built uh, has is still there and still active 500 years later. And it looks like a sandcastle. It's really unusual if you look it up. It looks like a mud and brick kind of sandcastle structure, but it's obviously much stronger than that because it's been around for 500 years. Uh, and the library that he made became a university that's still in operation today. Uh, Trying to find the name of the university. Um, But the library became the largest library in Africa since the Library of Alexandria in um, ancient times. He basically reconstructed the Library of Alexandria because, again, Europe wasn't shit at the time, so it wasn't hard to buy up all the books in the world. Um, And the Mali Empire was like, easily the most powerful and important and influential empire on the planet for a good hundred years henceforth thanks to Masa Musa basically making it rain on Africa and showing everybody his boss. Uh, it petered out in civil wars and such in the 1600s around about the time that the Spanish, French, German, and Portuguese started really tromping all over up. Africa. Yeah, and, and sort of very little uh, remains of the empire today outside of what he built in Timbuktu because the Europeans went and did what they did to Africa. But um, it's still very unknown what happened in that empire after about 1450 because they didn't keep their own records very well. Um, and uh, the, the only thing people really know of what happened at the empire was at that height of it with Mansa Musa and being the richest person in the world. Scholars have tried to guesstimate his wealth. Um, but it's usually fairly well established. like whatever the actual number is, he's the wealthiest individual person who ever walked the planet. like he he had probably wow. half of the world's total wealth individually at that point. Yeah.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. And I, I uh, think he's, he's called just the.
0: Yeah. I think it was called the University of Fuck You, Cairo.
1: <laughs> I love that story. I love that he was just like, how can I get one over on this uptight son of a bitch? Yeah, that's, that's okay, wild i me. Mm-hmm.
2: I'd like to do that sometime. So. There's,
1: there's debate about whether or not he set out with all that gold with that plan in mind, or if he just didn't realize that he had that much more gold than everybody else, and he thought that that was right. just the kind of amount of money you needed to go traveling. And then when he showed up and looked around at how little gold people were, like, yeah. Clinging
2: okay, to, and he was like, Pfft. The, yeah, the way back then, okay. the equivalent of what could a regular banana cost? Ten dollars, like, and that's what yeah. he did. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that's what he did. He bought all the. Bananas. That's so
2: many. I just I yeah, I'm right. thinking about In how 20. he brought so many bananas, but he brought it's so many so, bananas. Like, he brought twelve thousand people with him, like slaves. Not even twelve thousand slaves. 000, okay. Seventy-five thousand like,
1: people. Like, 12, how do
2: you just do, that's like yeah. moving an entire city across mm-hmm. the world? I mean, I guess not the world, but
1: yeah, especially at that time. At that time, a hundred thousand right. people was a megalopolis city. You know, this is the 13th, there weren't that many people on the planet yet, so yeah. like moving around with eighty thousand people was going to get noticed. You know, well, that was I bigger mean, than in, the
2: largest armies.
0: Even Facebook won't let you have more than five thousand. But what about <laughs> if you own um,
2: people? Like, well, like, what if you're like a slave? I feel owner, like you got to Like, how many can you have on Facebook? Oh yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> you can have up to 20,000 slave accounts.
2: What?
1: what? What's... No. Well, I don't know. I mean, let's go find out oh. how many uh, employees oh, Carnival oh. has. That's how many slaves you can have on your Facebook page.
0: Well, on, it was 125,000 minimum crew members that were stuck on the – it's a
1: number. That's, well, there the you number. That's the number. That's oh, the number. Okay. I'm really mad at the cruise lines right now. And I wasn't like, you know, not mad at them before.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop I like I giving them your them. money, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep
0: like booking cruises knowing they're going to get pushed out. And I get it. It's like a
1: mental thing where you're like, I have something to look forward to, but here's the thing. You can go to a really, really nice five-star hotel for less money and if mm-hmm. you want to, just stay at the hotel. Not yeah. leave the hotel and just go to the ballroom and go to the bar and go to the restaurant. An and all
2: like, inclusive resort. It's the same thing.
1: Resort, yeah. You don't have to go do it on the water. I don't understand the appeal of doing it on the water.
0: It's a whole culture like all mm. of my mom's friends or people
2: that yep. she met on a cruise and they're like and, oh let's all plan to be on this one and, and yeah like yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, that's the life I'll never live the train felt like a
1: the train felt like a two star cruise ship I'll say that
0: what were the safety regulations on the train
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's the best part of the right. train. Do it's you like have the COVID? Oh, yeah. the COVID protocols were tight. Those were okay. Like, that was the whole reason they did it is that like you had to be masked all the time, and then you get your own little room, you close and seal the door, and then you can talk and relax, and nobody can come in there. You can lock the door, and you're fine. But the safety regulations, yeah, after traveling on airplanes your whole life, it's shocking. You get in, you're like, okay, they're going to tell me what to do in the event of an accident, right? They don't even tell you where you are. You pull up at some town and you stop and they'll get on the thing and be like, if you want to get off and smoke, you can, but just get back on before the whistle blows. I kind of like Otherwise, we'll leave you here. And (laughs) I loved it. The conductor in Dallas was hilarious. He was like, if you get off and smoke and you're not back on before the end... You're going to be in Dallas for the rest of your life. I know it happens because I've seen you do it. (laughs) So great. How? Yeah, I I got to Chicago on the way there, and I sat on the train for another 15 minutes because I didn't understand that we were in Chicago. I thought we were just stopped again for some reason. They didn't say, you made it. You're here. You can leave now. They just assume you know what the hell is going on at all times. It's wonderful.
0: How long did it take? It was 26 hours. I want to do this. Yeah, it's worth
1: doing. It's totally worth doing. But don't. Mm. if you go with two people, get a bigger room. Don't go in the phone.
0: Is there Wi-Fi on the train? That's weird. No. Oh, that sounds like Uh, a vacation. I'm surprised. 26
1: Here's here's the best part. There's Wi-Fi on every major train line that Amtrak runs except the Texas Eagle. Once they go through Texas, they're like, no Wi-Fi
0: they don't texans don't need that shit
1: they don't know how to read so yeah no the texas to chicago one didn't have wi-fi my understanding is that if you go to la you get wi-fi um from here so that direction you might and then if you change off and like do one of the southeastern ones or go to the northeast you'll get wi-fi but texas to chicago bring a book Mm -hmm. we've all read like two books on this trip it was awesome it was, very, like, it was very comfy. It was just comfy in the way that like an adequate hotel is comfy. You know, you're not like, ah, oh, the luxury of a train ride. You're more just like, I can do this for a day or two.
2: Huh? Sure. I'm down. I was going to say, you know, you know, like when we get real huge and famous and everything, instead of like being those comedian or podcast people yeah. that go on cruises as entertainment, we could do a fucking train ride. With everybody, and train. just be like, "We're going to Branson." Actually, a train. A train fits right? about
1: the right amount of people for Twelve. our audience. Like, because you know, we're, <laughs> we're definitely like <laughs> famous among, among dozens. Yeah, so like that's it's about right. We can go into the coach class and be like, eh, "Very Fuzzy Bear." I hear something weird, mm-hmm. and then leave. Yeah, comedians well, have done nice.
0: shows on trains.
1: That's true. We know about. Okay. Mhm. Mhm. Did it go well? No. It did not go well. All yeah, right. Is, never mind. That's a whole thing. That's a whole different actual story. Yeah. Yay. uh Thanks for tuning it in, everybody went. on Twitch. Uh, this was kind of a fun way to do it. We're still going to post this episode, all edited up and everything. But maybe we'll do this again. Maybe we'll do this. I mean, it's the same shit for us.
2: (laughs) Yeah, or for me. You know, like it. It all looks the same. (laughs) Is the same except I did put on makeup for this. So, Mm -hmm. how many
0: people stayed on? Give me my ego boost or break my ego.
1: We had had about ten to twelve people the whole way through. That's more than I thought. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, Yeah, we can grow that. Yeah, follow showing. us
2: everywhere at Weird Brunch and, and yeah. review us on all, all right. the things well, that we... you haven't, because that would be great. Even if follow Karina on Twitch.
1: Mm-hmm.